0: Robin, it was pretty exciting three-on-three three, and then it goes to the shootout. I'm curious kind of what you think about the shootout in general, whether that you kind of like the format or if you think that there should be more extended three-on-three three, or basically how overtime would go if you have the choice. You think I like the shootout?
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, no, that's great. Robin, thanks for the time.
1: Thank you. To get minutes in this program and you know, to make a nice college cheer for you. This is, how see. Oh, no, no. <laughs> is there a wow. murder going on? That was awesome, whacking that thing around. Wow. Sorry. Um.
0: I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. You think I like the shootout?
3: Know? Just crushed my dreams.
2: Boom. Sadness. That's the one.
0: Jared, do not play that clip of my dogs fighting for Brett Lashbrook because then he might deem my dogs are not friendly enough to compete in the Dog Olympics. Okay. Thank you. Um, Now, looking at Robin Leonard and the Golden Knights because Robin Leonard was on the Cam and Strick podcast and talked quite a lot about his situation in Vegas. We started the show talking about how Leonard thinks that he is underpaid, but he had a lot more to say including something about Alan Walsh and his meme of Marc-Andre Fleury getting stabbed in the back with a sword with the name DeBoer written on it. Leonard said, when I opened my phone and saw it, I was laughing. I was like, what's going on here? It screwed me quite a bit. I got a lot of social media heat for that because it was kind of like Walsh rallying the Fleury cult against me. I am trying to remember, and I'm doing a poor job of remembering how was the flurry fan base before that meme was sent out? Like, weren't they all ready? Like not anti Robin Leonard, but like, Hey, why the hell is somebody here to replace Rob or replace Mark Andre flurry? Yeah. I mean, the, folks
2: who love Marc-Andre Fleury probably loved him pretty much since the expansion draft like it's not as though this was a new group that was created when Robin Leonard arrived who were upset at Robin Leonard I mean it's not like you know that Marc-Andre Fleury was rallying up folks or Alan Walsh was rallying up folks uh Robin Leonard does realize he's talking about the fans that he's going to be playing for <laughs> next year, right? I don't think so. I don't think he does. <laughs> okay, because the the, the Flurry Colts is not a cult that just is going to pick up and move to Chicago. They're Golden Knights fans.
0: <laughs> They're his fans now, supposedly. Maybe not. Yeah,
2: supposedly but... until he, let's see let's what has he done he's talked about how he is not paid properly i'm not even gonna say underpaid he's not paid properly because of his mental health issues uh, subjective quite obviously um and now he's talking about how alan walsh screwed him because of the flurry cult hmm.
0: okay good luck i but here's the thing i don't think he's wrong on either case
2: you don't think he's... Wrong. You think that his mental health issues are contributing to well his pay.
0: Okay, as we talked about earlier, not hard to know. I was going more on the general idea that he's paid less than guys that have better... That he has better stats than.
2: Yeah. I, the other thing we know about goaltenders, we're going to talk about that for a second. The other thing we know about goaltenders is that their performance is notoriously volatile. And I know you took a three-year span, which gives you at least a, you know, a sample size that's representative. But at the same time... It, any contract that is paid to a goaltender at the level of, say, a carry price or even Marc-Andre Fleury is making is clearly above market for the way they're valued now, right? It's kind of the way running backs are valued in the NFL. If you want to go sign a Zeke Elliott contract, if you're Jerry Jones, because you can't take the heat of the holdout, then, you know, more power to you. It's your franchise, run it however you want. But that is not how running backs are valued in the NFL anymore. And goaltenders are kind of the same way. It's not that they are as replaceable as running backs, but they definitely are not positions where you can predict the performance.
0: Yeah, I, I love that you went there because I it would be dumb, but I do have the feeling that you'd be better off as an organization never paying your goalie. Like just never signing a long, a big or a long contract for a goaltender, just always going with some cheap option. Like anybody that makes less than $3 million, that's who you go with as your goalie every single year because of how A, volatile it is, and B, how often the team in front of the goalie actually determines whether or not the goalie has good numbers throughout the course of the year. It is the quickest way to have a cup contender become awful, though, is if you have just horrific goaltending, even though the skaters are good in front of them. But I do feel like that's sort of a market and efficiency that could be exploited better by teams.
2: Well, as I was looking through goaltender contracts for next year, I saw 64 contracts. And Robin Leonard is clearly on the high end of those contracts. I mean, he is, as you mentioned, you mentioned where uh, 11th. And then you can look down and you see that the great bulk of salaries in fact starting from elvis merslikens at 22nd in terms of goalie pay make less than four million dollars a year you can go down to yaroslav halak's new contract in vancouver where he's making three million dollars a year half the goaltenders in the nhl will make less than three million dollars a year uh next year and some of them are pretty damn good
0: yeah it's just a matter of you know does your goalie fall apart and all of a sudden you don't have anything reliable when while it's not always the case, generally speaking, the higher paid ones you can say are a little bit more reliable. I mean, it, I think every, I mean, how confident are you that Robin Leonard is an above average goaltender this next year? I'm pretty confident he's going to be above average next year. Whereas if you were going with Laurent Bressois, the guy they signed to be his backup, and said, hey, let's go cheap on goaltending and let this guy start, I'd be much less confident that he is going to be an above average goaltender next season. But it is somewhere that I would love to see a team go. I would love to see a team say, hey, we're paying both our goalies a combined three million dollars forever. We're never paying more than that because that's not where we should spend our money with a salary cap.
2: But see that to me, the market inefficiency is Laurent Barsois, because paying Robin Leonard $5 million a year is your choice if you want to have a guy that you feel confident is going to give you above average goaltending year in and year out, which is what Robin Leonard has shown you. He is going to do that. Um, the inefficiency is then going and paying a backup. Yes. Because if you believe that Robin Leonard is who you are paying him to be, then you absolutely should be taking someone making the minimum from the minor leagues, Logan Thompson or anyone else, and having them as the backup. There's no guarantee that paying someone a couple million dollars a year or a million dollars, a couple million, whatever the case might be for uh, Laurent Perssois, like then there's no guarantee that you're getting that level of performance for that money. And not that that's a huge amount of money. Let me see what the, the actual number 2.3 million dollars for Laurent Pressois that's 2.3 million dollars that you could be spending elsewhere on the roster
0: they could have kept Ryan Reeves on the team
2: I started to say it and then I knew you would (laughs) and then I just left it there for you so
0: they're actually a better team because they overpaid for the backup goalie
2: because it forced them to trade Ryan Reeves
0: yes it forced Ryan Reeves out of the organization because otherwise Ryan Reeves would be here and they'd be worse (laughs) I love it because they they, we, they have shown that they are willing. They're always willing to make moves to get under the salary cap or make moves to create cap space. They're just not always going to make the right decision in how they spend that cap space, which is going to be the big question this season is did they do the right thing with how they spent it? One other detail from that Robin Leonard uh, interview on the Cam and Strick podcast, or this was actually something he tweeted in response to somebody uh, talking about what he said. But Robin Leonard said, I signed as the starting goalie for Vegas in the playoffs in the bubble. Now, there's a little bit of confusion there because technically he was traded for before the playoffs in the bubble. And he signed that five-year deal after the playoffs in the bubble. But what I find interesting here is this goes back to the Alan Walsh meme where when the Golden Knights acquired Robin Leonard, when they traded for Robin Leonard... What they said publicly was that they were solidifying that position. They never said that Robin Leonard was the starter. And based on that meme that Alan Walsh tweeted out, Marc-Andre Fleury was under the impression that he was still the starting goaltender for the Golden Knights and that Robin Leonard was a very good uh, backup to have there. But Robin Leonard is now saying he was brought in to be the starter in the playoff in the bubble. So who the hell did the gold? What were the Golden Knights telling each of their goaltenders during that time period? Because it sounds like they were telling them two different things.
2: I, I, That's not how I read the quote. Um, And tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking Robin Leonard is saying when he signed that contract, right? He had been the starting goaltender for Vegas in the bubble. So right?
0: I signed as the starting goalie for Vegas in the playoffs in the bubble. You're reading that as I signed After I had been the starting goalie in Vegas or in the playoffs in the bubble. Okay.
2: That's the way that I read it. And I think that that's a factual reading of that for, you know, from, from Robin Leonard's perspective, I I think Tyler, what it leads into though, is this other piece that, uh, that came out of the whole discussion of the idea of whether Mark Andre Fleury really was their guy or not within the organization. I like that one a lot.
0: I haven't just, so Justin Emerson talked to Pete DeBoer. I haven't read the actual story yet. He said it was supposed to be out this morning, but I haven't seen it yet. But he did tweet out the quote yesterday where Pete DeVore said, if you look at how we played him this year, I don't know how you can say he wasn't our guy in reference to Marc-Andre Fleury. Now, that was a direct response to a story in The Athletic where Marc-Andre Fleury said he wasn't Pete DeVore's guy. He wasn't their guy within the Golden Knights anymore And Pete DeBoer is basically saying, no, that's not true. We played him a lot. So he was our guy. I think it's a little facetious from Pete DeBoer because they had to play him in the regular season that much because uh, your goalie Robin Leonard was not there for like a month with a concussion. And then Robin Leonard, or excuse me, Arkansas Fleury was so good that you had to start him in the playoffs, basically. So I, I think it's a little bit of misleading. From Pete DeBoer, but I I love this so much. The semantics of who was our guy and what exactly we told each and and how everybody actually thought the organization viewed them as phenomenal.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I remember Robin Leonard starting some important games in the playoffs. So, you know, I don't know who our guy was, but the part of that quote, actually, Tyler, that caught my attention was this one from Pete DeBoer. I came in here with a team that had been beaten out in the first round and was spinning their (laughs) tires at around 500 and gave everybody a clean slate to compete for opportunity. I think as a coach, that's all you can do. Really? uh, First of all, we know who beat them out in the first round, so thanks, Pete, for reminding us of that. Um, Was spinning their tires at around 500. Uh, it was a 560 winning percentage at that very moment when Pete DeBoer was hired after Gerard Gallant had gone on a four-game losing streak, so they had much closer to a 600 winning percentage. Uh, that is some uh, revisionist history from Pete DeBoer, don't
0: you think? No, I that is beautiful. Because, okay, when Gerard Gallant got fired... The Golden Knights had 24 wins, 11 regulation losses, six overtime losses. That is technically more losses than wins, but the NHL does their standings dump. That is more losses than wins, but it is probably the only time in Golden Knights history that over a 49 game span, they have had more losses than wins. It is the perfect technically correct setup by Pete DeBoer where he can basically say, I saved this franchise because look. They lost in the first round. They blew a 3-1 lead in the playoffs in the first round, and then they had more losses than wins, and I came in and saved them and have taken them to back-to-back Western Conference Finals. That is exactly what I would do if I was Pete DeBoer.
2: Right. I mean, there's a reason you're in charge of nothing, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> it's, it's very important for the balance of the world that you're not in charge of anything. But Pete DeBoer coming in here and saying that they were spinning their tires at around 500 I think is probably the... The worst case scenario that you could create for where the Golden Knights were at that point, um, because the Golden Knights are were a franchise that was still three points out of first place at that time. So I don't know. I, I just thought that was interesting. Uh, Pete DeBoer kind of giving himself uh, m- maybe a little bit more credit than, than I would
0: for a franchise that has kind of made it clear it's cup or bust. Year two? Third of the Pacific, lost in the first rounds. That first half of the next season, they had more losses than wins. That wasn't good enough. Like, it, it, they were underperforming at the time. I, You're right. Pete DeBoer is giving himself more credit than he deserves, but he is factually
1: correct. It's called technically correct.
0: Yeah, and it's exactly what I'd be. That's great. I love it. The greatest thing Pete DeBoer's ever said.
1: I just want whenever they hired John Tortorella for him to come in and go, they were spitting their tires. They couldn't get out of the Western Conference
0: Finals. (laughs) They kept losing to teams with a better record than them in the playoffs, and I saved them. All right, coming up next, Sam and Ash join the show.
1: Guys, guys, did you know that I
0: actually have a civil case against that that stole my husband? Don't sue a stripper. Why not? She's a stripper. Life sued her, and she lost
4: Call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, SamandAshLaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right.
0: You heard the number on the website, 702-820-1234, SamandAshLaw.com. Important question for Jared here. He uh, had boiling water spilled on his hand. Can he sue the person responsible for that boiling water ending up on his hand?
3: Was, was that, that person <laughs> himself? Yes, it was.
4: <laughs> oh, Jared. Oh, the picture made the rounds on uh, social media last night. It did not look good, Jared.
1: Yeah, it's healing, though. It looks worse this morning.
4: Oof. Yeah. The, the... How was the mac and cheese, though? <laughs> it was good.
1: <laughs>
4: Wait, you ate afterwards?
1: Well,
0: yeah. I mean, my I just bit... assumed your hand would be in so much pain you'd lose your hunger.
1: I would. No, it's like that. That's why it's left hand. I can eat with my right hand. My right (laughs) hand's good.
0: (laughs) So wait, who Jared has no recourse against himself? Does he Jared? Who Who would you sue? Like the pot
1: company? Well, probably the knife that swung out that I was trying to avoid when. I was holding boiling water, that, that like, you made a very unstable knife. Yeah,
0: just start making a list of all the kitchen utensils you have and who you can possibly sue for your hand pain. You do, for, So you guys know at home, and Sam and Ash, you guys as well, he, like, won't put his hand down, like, by his side because he says it hurts, so he's just, like, constantly holding it by his head.
3: Oh, that makes sense. Doesn't your doctor always say, like, with injuries, keep it above your heart? So, <laughs> I like, guess. I think doctor so, he, I think he's on to something <laughs> I don't know you guys go he maybe to doctors. Looks a little goofy he looks a little goofy but I think he's on to something
4: is he like so- perpetually saluting is that is that what he looks like <sighs> it's, it's okay.
1: I'm doing the Queen's wave yeah the... ah.
4: it's
0: sort of, yeah he's yeah it's very weird it's not it's not an attractive look because I just see a weird hand sticking up by his face at all times <laughs> very strange so a few stories to get to. One of them... Okay, we have a a San Antonio police officer is suing the Atlanta Braves, but it's for copyright infringement because the police officer says back when he was in school in 2002, he submitted an art project, and that art project is basically the same logo as what the Braves began using as an alternate logo in 2007. It is their A-logo logo with the tomahawk making, like, the cross-section of the A, uh, does that count? Like, is that copyright if you submit it as an art project and five years later somebody else uses it?
3: Well, I think we actually had this similar situation a few years back with the Baltimore Ravens, right? Weren't they sued by some guy claiming that they stole his logo? And I actually think he took it to a jury and won, and the the team was forced to uh, pay him back. Um, I don't know what the amount ended up being, but yeah. I, so I, the issue really here is um, if the team can prove that they got the logo idea independent of this guy's artwork, and I'm going to guess they're figuring that out right now. <laughs> well,
4: well, one thing that's interesting is that I, I, I've seen a document here that he had sent something to the Braves. I, I'm oh, not really? Sure if, okay. Yeah, and, and that to me would be even even more dodgy right if, if the organization had it because there's, there's something written on it that jose we're not interested in this artwork um we have a you know something about an mlb official licensee and the kid signs it like your biggest fan you know and sends it in so i i, I think especially if they're aware of it in, in copyright law there's something called prior art and so one way that you can invalidate an existing trademark or patent is to show that previous to the patent being granted that the patented item the thing already existed was was out there and especially i would think if you could prove that the organization itself was aware of the art in any way shape or form and and then went and trademarked it that they were aware there was prior art that this guy could actually through litigation invalidate their trademark so my take on, I think Ashley's right, I think they're going to pay money on this. I think so, they're they're, they're going to pay him some money to prevent their trademark from being completely blown out of the water.
0: So any artwork like that somebody creates, you don't actually have to do anything else like you if you just created and and somebody else eventually in the future uses it without your permission like you don't have to like go and get it copyrighted or anything like that if you just have proof that hey i made this before you used it that's good enough
4: no it's not uh it's not it's obviously it's the it's the law so we make uh, lawyers make everything more complicated but (laughs) but it also follows some amount of common sense too so there so there has to be they can't you can't just draw something at home put it away in your drawer and and that be that but if you put it out into the stream of not necessarily even commerce but if you put it out there if you publish it in some way and the funny thing here is this was I think this artwork was like displayed once some kind of a thing or was displayed somewhere at some you know, school or whatnot. It was actually on display beyond sending it to the team. So the argument could be, yeah, so that it needs something like that. It needs to be displayed some somewhere. It needs to have some public attention. Uh, it, It needs something more than just you doing it, making it at home and putting it away.
3: So a great example of this is, remember LeBron James is sued for reposting someone else's photograph? Yes. Um, as soon as you take the photo and you post it, that now it becomes a copyright. It, it is inherently copyrighted. You don't have to then take it to the U.S. Copyright Office and get an official copyright license on it, but that helps. You can then stamp the little C on it and then put everyone on notice that you care about this and you think it's worth money. And if anyone else uses it, you're coming after them.
4: And you can actually claim. I, I Remember, you can claim a copyright even before you you have something officially copyrighted. Um, and and I would I was such a terrible kid. I would do this on my on some of my essays. I had this terrible science teacher that I hated, and when every time I submitted a, a report to her, I'd always copyright it, and then she would like I'd put a little copyright copyright pending on on the bottom of my page. So I think, um, yeah, I think she i. I remember she'd always cross it out and be like, No, you don't need to do this. Uh, but I, um, I, I know I'd read up on it as a kid. And yeah, there are ways y- your your stuff is carries inherently copyright. Exactly right.
0: How old were you when you're writing copyright pending on the bottom of your science tests? I
4: was like seventh grade, so I was like <laughs> thirteen. He was that guy. Yeah, apparently I've been, I've been. Yeah, I've been that guy for a while.
0: Um, <laughs> another story is a class action lawsuit for fans that are trying to get refunds on tickets to the Olympics. That at one point they were going to have fans even this year, and ultimately the Olympics were off without fans. But the U.S. based fans, there was apparently only one like verified retailer. Of these tickets, and it's a company called CoSport. Apparently, CoSport refunded people the amount they paid, like for the face value of the ticket, but they did not refund them the amount they paid in fees. And the estimate is basically like 25% of what all these people paid was a fee that CoSports took. So how how does this work when you're getting a refund on an event, especially one that didn't allow fans in? But they're fees that you didn't actually pay for the ticket, but you paid to the company that was providing you the opportunity to buy the ticket.
3: Well, that's that fine print that gets everyone, right? Um, And the interesting thing here is, you know, as long as the company is not being deceptive in their business practices, they're not advertising 100% refund, um, then, you know, they're, they're, these consumers will likely face a tough struggle in getting their those fees back i mean these companies don't take a 200 ticket and then sell it for 200 and not make any money they have salaries they've got infrastructure they have to pull something so that's what these fees usually cover they usually are it tied into maintaining these resellers um future business operations and and so i think there's going to be a lot of a lot of issues for consumers especially here with the olympics they were already rescheduled once for covid so people were on notice that there was a chance that these games wouldn't go that fans could be shut down and so you know travel insurance if you weren't buying it or ticket insurance if you weren't buying it in 2020 or 2021 you weren't that smart So I've never bought insurance for tickets, airplane, any event, but I do now because with this COVID, you know, rising cases and everyone's making new rules, I never know.
0: So would they have any opportunity to sue the Olympics for saying, hey, we're going to have fans and then saying, no, we're not going to have fans to get this money?
3: No. I mean, you're going to run up to the, you know, pandemic health scare, you know, all of that issues and the overriding concerns of the public.
0: Uh, and then the last one I wanted to get to you guys with is in California, there are some minor league baseball players that are suing for unpaid wages. And basically their argument is that they are making below minimum wage because some of them make below $10,000 for their season of baseball. How how does this work with we talked about before with Major League Baseball and their antitrust status? But how does this work where they have antitrust status that allows them to pay players what works out to be less than the minimum wage?
4: well look uh they they they've got this special protection right and so even in a state like california where i guess my understanding is you you i mean it's very um employee friendly state um you have um you you can you can you can pay this this has been an existing thing now the 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 thing everybody's taking this pay because they hope to get into the majors that's what the you know the deal is and it's part you know it's it's theoretically it's part-time work um and so you know i but i, I think you know it, it it's it's actually atrocious and i i knew a guy that was in the you know that was in this in in this um w- was on it was in the minor leagues and and was was playing yeah it's playing for for no money but i i think um it'll be interesting to see us if if these lawsuits proceed and if there is a you know, if there is an outcome here that they gets some some more money because it's it's really pathetic. Yeah, they don't they don't make very much money. I think they've been going along with it for years because there's there's a chance you get to the majors and you make good money.
0: On the outside of like just the, the legal part of this. There have been lots of stories in minor league baseball this year where you've got, you know, guys that are sleeping in their cars, guys that are losing money when they're at home because they've got to pay rent and their rent is more than their actual paycheck for two weeks at a time like outside of the law part. Wouldn't it be smart for Major League Baseball just for the PR side of this to just like make it a little bit better on their minor league players, make their lives a little bit better?
3: Well, yeah, I think minor league baseball, they did that. Um, This past year, they made a lot of um, changes. They restructured the whole system. And and part of that, unfortunately, required them to eliminate some affiliate teams, which, of course, you can't always make everyone happy. But from a PR angle, they did this in this past year. They restructured. They lost some affiliate teams in order to increase pay, to increase facilities and training and meals and and amenities that are provided to these players because they recognize they're they're supposed to be training the next the future pros and and you can't treat them like they're they're second class citizens and then just elevate them at a later point um, so I think they're going to do it I don't think there's a, a clear clean cut way to do that while also all these owners maintaining their their fat wallets
0: <laughs> well it's samandashlaw.com seven zero two eight two zero one two three four 702-820-1234 is the phone number guys we appreciate it as always
4: Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Say hi to Ed for us, please.
0: Yes, we will. They probably haven't talked to Ed in like three weeks, have they? No, they probably. They they, they think
1: (laughs) probably the subie's dead. Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) All
4: right. No, (laughs) he's alive. Jared, feel better. Hope your hand heals up quick.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Coming up next, it's Candy's Chonies.
4: Call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Candies,
2: chonies.
0: Wait. Candies, chonies.
2: You don't call your bread buns. What do you call them? Candies, chonies. Bread? Candies, chonies. Well, bread is a substance. What do you call the units of bread you use? Breads?
0: All right, before we get to Candy's Chonies, ESPN Las Vegas, we are giving you a chance to get tickets to go see Guns and Roses Friday, August 27th at Allegiant Stadium between the Press Box and Cofield and Company. You can also buy those tickets right now at Ticketmaster.com, but make sure you stay locked in right here. All right, Candy, what do you got for us in your Chonies on your Chonies today? Hold on what? a second. On my chonies. Around in the general vicinity of your chonies.
2: Well, I I feel like you should be asking Alex Mack that question. That's a good uh, like what's a, What's What's around your chonies? It's It's all about the butt sweat. I've got the beach um, towel ready. Oh, oh, you sounded far too eager in saying that. Are you okay? No, not
0: at all. What What would make you think I'm okay?
2: Well, not much. <laughs> um, but I I'm okay. I'm I, I'm gonna move on now, and I'm going to go into my own chonies because I'm slightly concerned about whatever is happening with you. But okay, all right. Your first number is a fairly straightforward number. It is ninety five point two percent. Ninety five point two
0: percent. Oh oh, is it is it about like, it, it's, it's specific to it, me, right? It is about baseball. The Astros' chance to make the playoffs.
2: Scary that we've been doing this long enough. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, that is absolutely 100% correct, <laughs> and that is probably the fastest you've ever gotten one of these. <laughs> uh, 67 and 46, they are two games in front of the Oakland Athletics. How confident are you that the Astros can hold off this weird mishmash A's team?
0: Very confident. Uh, my only concern is that the Astros, for some reason, cannot beat teams that are under 500. Their record against teams that are over 500 is something like 46 and 29. Their record against teams that are under 500, they're like four games above 500. They're like 20. They're like 30 and 26 now, or something like that. And they're, they, their their schedule is extremely easy the rest of the year. They play a lot of bad teams. So that's my only concern, which sounds like the dumbest concern I've ever had in my life is that they can't beat bad teams, but they'll beat the good ones.
2: Actually, I'm just going to kind of push ahead here because um, you just by talking about that, you just took away my second number. Oh, I'm sorry. uh, sorry. Which is no, which is 0.483, which is the winning percentage of the remaining Astros opponents, which is the third easiest schedule in Major League Baseball over the rest of the season. Only the Reds, who play in the horrendous NL Central, (laughs) and the Philadelphia Phillies, who play in the close to as horrendous NL East, have easier schedules down the stretch um, than the Astros do. So um, do you believe that there is a problem with them beating bad teams, or is this just some random thing?
0: No, I think it's ultimately going to be a random thing. Like, they've gotten... (laughs) swept by the Tigers and the Rockies this year and the Orioles. They lost three out of four to the twins. Like those things shouldn't happen. And I assume they won't happen, but who knows? They play the Royal. They haven't played the Royals yet. They have two series against the Royals and I'm fully expecting them to get swept in one of them, but no, I, it should just be a random thing. Like they should be fine. And especially now their bullpen is awesome. Their bullpen has been phenomenal in the month of August. And that was like, the one problem with the team for the first three or four months of the season was their bullpen would just implode about twice a week. Now it's phenomenal. Like I have very little worry. The only concern I have is that the Oakland A's never seem to actually go away. Like that's the only problem is that somehow they're always there, but I think it's seven of the last 10 games are against the A's. So hopefully the Astros have actually put it away and it's not really, those games don't matter as much. But at the end of the day, they'll have a chance to beat the A's at the end of the season to win the AL West anyway. Okay.
2: All right. Uh, Moving on. Another number that I have in my chonies. Let me see if I can wipe the sweat off for a second. Okay. Here we are. 4.35%.
0: That's a very low number. (laughs)
2: 4.35% is a number that comes
0: from the world of racing. Racing. Ooh. Oh, horse racing or car racing? Oh, it comes from the world of horse racing. Horse racing. I okay, I don't know.
2: Okay, it comes from fake horse racing. Oh.
0: Fake horse racing. What 4.35%? Mhm. mm I okay, I need, I need another clue here. Okay. All right. Uh the horse to whom it refers is from the Buffy Mac stable. Oh boy. All right. I don't, is that that's going to be like The win percentage of a horse, I don't know the name of. It actually is
2: the win percentage of a horse, but here's the best part about this. The horse's name is Perky Chicken. Perky Chicken. So don't you feel like Perky Chicken the horse is the perfect crossover to start up the digital chicken races?
0: Uh, Yeah, somehow he needs to be like in the honorary first chicken race.
2: Don't you think that would be the best way to do this oh oh hold on i'm just clicking on the horse now you can view him in 3d
0: oh yes they walk it's very cool it's very cool oh my god what what is this
2: they're they're walking through some sort of cat like elevated neon catwalk in
0: the desert yeah that's what the racetrack looks like really yeah no it's great it's phenomenal uh perky is 4.35% a good win rate for
2: a fake horse.
0: Uh no, I just pulled up Perky Chicken. He has lost money in racing. Um he looks he's a horse, eh, decent average odds of 13.6, not really can't really do much, not really going to be profitable, but it's not terrible. He finishes third a lot is what I'm looking at here. His most common position to finish in a race is third, which is, you know, better than 4 through 8, but still not good.
2: Okay, so, so what is the best of your horses? Like, which of your horses is actually going to be worth something here? Like, I'm looking at another horse here named Mark Cuban, who I think would be much better, but he's not very good.
0: So we have three horses that are good racers. Uh, Goodwill Rush, High Card, and Fake Horse. Goodwill Rush has actually made it all the way up in the Class 1, which is the highest division, but we don't think she's actually going to perform well there, so we're not going to race her there. So I'd say probably High Card. He's got a 13.8% win percentage uh 34.5% show percentage and his return on investment racing wise is 32.7%. Very very
2: fancy. Very fancy. fancy. Very fancy. Very impressive. Divorce. Okay. I um my chonies are a little bit sweaty. I'm going to have to go find a beach towel. Um there's there's nothing more I can
0: give you from them. Rustling those chonies for high card stats. Yeah, we haven't raced in a while cuz we we've, we've run into We've run into some walls recently. Our horses aren't performing as well as we would like, so we're we're taking a break on on racing our big three horses at the moment. I'm sorry. What? What? How? How? How do you run into walls? How? How is the we what, just, what have, walls have you run into? We haven't gotten good results. Like we just we just haven't like high card for example. Let's see the last few races: ninth, fourth, third, fifth, fifth, fourth, third. It's been seven races since he's won. So we're kind of we're kind of trying to figure out what we need do, to do with high card here
2: do you how do you send a digital horse to the glue factory
0: no no they they live forever they ha, they all No have no no
2: no 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 that's no that's no no this isn't like your dog going to live on the farm you know cuz you, you die and your parents didn't want to tell you like
0: no the, the, something has to happen to the bad horses right no, they, they, they just exist in somebody's stable and probably don't get raced. I mean, we could sell them. I mean, I, I don't, you can pretty much sell any horse. You might not make a lot of money off of it, but you can pretty much sell any horse. All right. Like we're not selling. I mean, we would sell high if somebody offered us enough money, but we're not sending him a glue factory yet. He's valuable. He's valuable just because or she's valuable just because she can make more babies for us, that we can sell those babies. Yeah. Uh. I feel like we got a lot farther talking about Alex Max butt sweat. Uh, you brought it up. Listen, you did this to yourself. You know that, right? Yeah, you've done this. To oh, yourself yeah. No, twice. I no no.
2: I I didn't bring up your horse in particular. I just brought up overall fake horses because I thought that a horse named Perky Chicken, a fake yeah. horse named Perky Chicken, was the perfect ambassador for fake chicken races. Yeah.
0: Oh, it would be. I will tell you this: Goodwill Rush, our our horse, the mother of High Card and Fake Horse. Uh, her return on investment is 130%, and her win rate is 167 Her show rate is 46.3%. Her last five races, last six races, first, second, first, second, first, second. Superstar.
2: Have you considered running some sort of press box contest for someone to own a horse with you?
0: Why would I do that? Why wouldn't you do that? I don't want other people to have my money on this. I'm already not making enough money on my own fake horses. Well, that's because you're poor negotiating with your own group of people. I did. I did a very poor job. I've got a much bigger percentage of the chickens than I do the horses.
2: Okay, good. I'm I'm uh, glad because I it learned. sounds like you and it sounds like you and Robin Leonard might have shared an agent here.
0: Yes, I learned from my mistakes and I got a much bigger share of the chickens. But yeah, the horses. I no, I don't, I don't. I'm not giving away any of my horses to listeners. You guys can buy them from us. I'm not saying you're giving them away. I'm saying you're getting in on a new horse that you're going to own it together. No, I don't want to do that either. I'm going to just buy it myself if I'm buying a new horse. It'd be ridiculous. But you can buy it. You can. We can do a contest where we'll give you ten percent off
1: to buy a horse from us. Oh my god, <laughs> Adam, right, that's ridiculous. How much do you think the most expensive chicken is?
2: Oh, I mean, there are a lot of bros with a lot of money that they're not spending on sour beer and vape right now. So I have to assume that you could probably spend, what, 50 grand on a chicken?
1: Mm, the most expensive one I can find is only two grand right now. So, oh, you, okay. you, dude, we, we could get in on the ground floor. All you got to do is front me about $2,400, and I'll take care of the 37 other dollars.
2: Okay, I think I think that is, that is completely fair. And maybe what we should be doing is have running a contest for jared to own a fake chicken with a listener
1: why does this chicken not have eyes yeah i, <laughs> I have noticed i have noticed the chickens sometimes like the because they got shot out by a chicken with a ck 47 the the chicken i'm looking at has a pompadour
0: like they they have a lot of accessories like we own a chicken that has a no a beak ring Pretty rare. I don't think it's going to mean anything once we start doing this. But yeah, I'm looking here. The most expensive chicken you could buy right now doesn't have eyes, and I don't remember that being a feature or a. That is, he doesn't have eyes. I've never seen this before. I want to buy this chicken now. I found one that has
1: bloodshot eyes. Yeah, that that doesn't seem that doesn't seem good. Like he, 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 that chicken looks strung out, man. The Eilish chicken is currently listed
0: for $3.2 million.
1: Okay. I can't even find this one.
0: Yeah. Chicken 5798.
1: Nine. Coming up the, next.
0: This is the most fun money laundering <laughs> in history. <laughs> that is a good way to put it. All right. Coming up next. I don't know what we're doing next, but we have tickets to go see Sebastian Maniscalco. He is coming to Las Vegas to the uh, win we have a pair of tickets to give away right now. He's coming August 20th and 21st. These are tickets for Saturday, August 21st at Encore Theater at the Win. Oh my god, god, that chicken has no 702-364-1100. 702-364-1100 is the number if you'd like to win a pair of tickets to go see Sebastian Maniscalco on the Nobody Does This Tour.
2: Well, we got to get better in all three phases. we got the Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Miami Dolphins just to start the season. So Um, to answer your question, we got to keep doing what we're doing, which is just working hard and trusting the guy next to us, because I do like that a lot. I like that process that we're on right now.
4: You're locked in the press box.
0: Rolling stones. No filter tour is coming to Allegiant stadium on November 6th. You can buy tickets now at rollingstones.com, but we will have multiple ways to win these tickets. So keep listening for details leading up to November 6th. Uh, Adam, just so you know, Jared was asking me lots of questions about the chickens during the break.
2: I fear asking you any more about that because I don't want to lose another five
0: minutes of my life to this. <laughs> the chickens are going to be great. Uh, that I'm is more the... into the chickens, mostly because some of them can have guns. And that one didn't have eyes. He still doesn't have eyes. He's the only one that doesn't have eyes. I am still stunned to learn that there was you would a chicken think that, that didn't would have be, eyes.
1: You would think that would be a detriment to his racing. You would think so.
0: He didn't sound like a very good racing chicken though, based on the limited information we have on him. 91 perfection score. It's pretty low. Not high enough. So, eyeless chicken. But you can buy him for over $3 million right now if you would like to. Uh, Adam, I also wanted to ask you, are you? St- are we still going with a uh, conspiracy theory here on Raiders practice being canceled? Jonathan Hankins That it felt amazing for a minute. I thought I was still dreaming. It was so early. Like they're they're playing this off as though John Gruden just randomly gave him a day off.
2: What choice do we have but to go with it for now? Because it just seems a little bit weird to let them get all the way into pads onto the field before you cancel practice, right?
0: Right. Like if you're giving them a day off, you you. You give them the day off and like they don't have to, you know, get ready for practice in the morning. The other part was apparently there was like a group of kids there to watch them practice as well, who did not get to watch them practice because they canceled it the morning of.
2: Only the Raiders, man.
0: Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. And I, uh, to end the show, though, I'm going to take I'm going to grab this show by the Chonies here. And let me ask you a similar question. Mm. FanGraphs have the Yankees at a 47 percent chance to make the playoffs. How confident are you that the Yankees would actually make the playoffs? More or less than 47%.
2: I think that's actually just about right for this team because they have at least found something of a spark playing against the worst teams in baseball (laughs) over the last couple of weeks. Um, But that also included a game last night in which they had four errors against the Kansas City Royals and lost a game where they had a lead in fact in the past 10 innings they have blown six separate leads so uh, 50-50 sounds just about right for this team to have a shot at making the playoffs w-
0: what are they two or three games back of the last wild card at the moment
2: yes it's basically them along with Boston and Oakland and Toronto
0: okay and okay and it's are the, Mariner, oh. the Mariners still exist don't they
2: the Yankees took three or four from the Mariners and kind of put them a little bit more that's right, uh, that's right. down they, in the uh, down in the dumps.
0: They lost like, they, they beat the Astros, had a big comeback win and then the next day traded away their closer to the Astros and I think they lost seven of their next eight after that which was Re- spectacular.
2: It really did feel like a fantasy league trade where like some guy's in third place and realizes he can't win first and so he trades his closer to the first place team like yeah it's fine I'm not gonna win this year and they're like wait a second you're still in third you're still gonna make money he's like yeah you know second place first loser
0: and it was great because the Mariners the Mariners had just beaten the A's in a series they had won like four in a row against the two teams they were chasing and the best
2: part about the the Mariners doing that by the way is that Kendall Graveman is of course a former A's prospect so really it comes (laughs) all the way around in the division
0: Yes, and their number one prospect Jared Kelnick can't hit That guy's not been good at all. Oh, what a disaster he is. Oh, well, I hope they finish above the Yankees. It'll be fun. Actually, I kind of want Yankees Astros in the playoffs. That'll be a lot of fun.